Hello, this is Speaks Loud Than Words, episode nine. Today we had Jim Duguid in the hot seat answering questions. He really, really just opened up on how he gets quite emotional with his, his work. And actually, you know, the Palmer Luchini album he mentioned was one of the first kind of big albums for me in my own songwriting process. I took a lot of inspiration from that album. So it's nice to hear how he kind of went around with Paolo and started writing those songs together. Don't forget you can find us on Facebook at facebook forward slash Warner Chapel UK and on our Twitter at Warner underscore Chapel. Chapel is spelled C-H-A-P-P-E-L-L. I reckon yeah. it's all right, yeah. <laughs> Do we need more light? Yeah, it'll be fine. It'll be all right. Yeah, right. yeah don't worry. Well, thanks very much, Jim, for agreeing to do this first of all oh, and sorry. taking the time out to do this sorry. we're just going to jump right in there and just yeah. talk about your childhood and music right so what did you listen to when you were really young when maybe what your parents listened to or what your siblings saw I've, I've got a lot of great memories of, um, f- family parties were a big thing in the 80s in our house you know there's probably a lot of people that don't rem- well you're, you're way too young you sort of remember the, the big recession in the 80s but there was, there was massive recession in the 80s and um, so people didn't really go out a lot well, certainly where, where I was from in Glasgow, so there'd be there'd be these massive house parties, really, fr- Fridays and Saturdays and Sundays. And when I say massive ho- house parties, I mean maybe like fifteen to twenty adults get together. Mm. You have a few drinks on a on a Friday and Saturday night, and all the kids would be chucked into a bedroom to play and get on with it and have a bit of fun. And um, the closer it got to midnight, the witching hour, or later in you know sort of early morning, a sing song would start up downstairs so you, there was a sort of baptism of everybody singing a song and if you were young and you were awake you'd sort of either sit in the stairs and listen into these sing songs or you'd get dragged in and you'd have to sing a song really you know we all these drunken <laughs> slightly inebriated i'll say adults saying hey, yeah you well, if you're going to sit up you need to sing a song so you'd be you'd, solo this is yeah yeah, yeah solo oh. solo what was your choice i remember once singing band-aid <laughs> And an auntie of mine was a big uh, Bono fan. So when it got to that line, it's not a God instead of you. I tried this real Bono pose. You know, got a, got a good round of applause. But uh, <laughs> How old were you at the time? I was probably about 11. It must be 27 years ago now. So I, I would have been nine, nine or 10. And it was such a massive event. And um, that was where I first discovered Freddie Mercury and Queen. You know, having heard sort of some of the songs, probably you know through my, my dad playing records or on the radio or whatever, but not not that I'm a, ma- a massive Freddie Mercury and Queen fan. But if you if you ever look back at that DVD or that day that that when they came on the stage, them and you two actually something really special happened. You know, it was it was it was quite incredible, and um, I've always had a real admiration for the music that Queen have made, the diversity of it really. You know, from sort of another one bites the dust to under pressure. You know those those kind of songs. I just thought they were, they're great, great songs. Have they stuck with you? You're basically your whole life. Those those songs. Th- those songs. I I think there are songs though that you hear when you're young. You know, like from the age. You know, whenever you sort of start to recognise music and sing along and stuff like that, there are songs that stick with you through your life. And under pressure's definitely one. And um, well, the streets have no names. I'm trying to think. You know, Bruce Springsteen. Um, Can't start a fire without a spark. You know that used to get played. <laughs> at full pelt on my mum's Iowa stereo until, you know, and in those days it was vinyl as well, you know, and by the time these parties had reached, you know, full on rock and roll, um, 
everybody was jumping about to that song. So the record jumped quite a lot, <laughs> you know. So it got, it got played until it wouldn't play anymore. And we used to put we used to put two pence pieces on the stylus to stop it from jumping. I don't know if you ever know that trick. Yeah, in the old days we used to put two two peas on top of the stylus so that when you were dancing about it, it wouldn't jump. Yeah. Well, there's a trick I didn't know. Well, there you go. I bet you probably never wrote Well, maybe you do own a record player. I don't know. But, you know, it's certainly a niche market I, these I days, record don't, players. But um, I should really. Well, that was, the, that was the tip for if you're going to jump about to a record, get a couple of coins on top of the stylus. <laughs> so, so, yeah. so Queen, uh, Bruce Springsteen and U2, these are... Yeah, when I was kids, yeah. But, but also there was a massive um, country music influence in our house. Donnie Parton. Dolly Parton, sorry. Um, Johnny Cash and um, Kenny Rogers. Of all things, um, and um, you know my mum's a, a great lover of country music, and she and she would she would um, buy all these records, and she loved singing along to them. So there was always you know her sort of singing along to these um, these records, you know. And one of my favourite songs, still all time, none of those artists, but it's Tammy Wynette, "Stand By Your Man." Um, you know, it's a bit of a comedy song if you play it at a party now as a thirty-eight year old guy, you know, but. It's a brilliant song, you know, and a great structured song, and just really, really, you know, you sing it and people get it, they appreciate it immediately, mm. you know. And um, Islands in the Stream, which Kenny Rogers and Dolly Parton did, was a Bee Gees song, and um, you know, the Bee Gees were a big, big thing in our house as well, mm. you know, growing mm. up. Yeah, the Drifters as well. We, we Drifters records coming out of ears. Yeah, up on the roof. Sounds like you you, you are surrounded by music. Your parents. Oh yeah, I and my, my older brother, who's who's four years older than me, he sort of really, he became the real sort of musical authority, in in the house for the new stuff. You know, he was. Um, but when I say new stuff, you're going to laugh at this because the Beatles were only particularly new in 1986, but um, all of their albums got released on CD. It was either 86 or 88. Mm. And my brother was a massive Beatles fan because his, his mates all had a band and, you know, that was the band they were going to be. So he bought, he sort of started buying all the Beatles records in chronological order. So he start, sort of started with Please Please Me, I think it's Please Please Me. Yeah, and sort of worked his way on. And then so we, me and my friends sort of get into this by sort of listening to his CDs on the quiet when he wasn't in. You know, we'd, we'd, we'd go around and listen to, you know, these, these Beatles records, you know. So, yeah. Quite a, quite a quite a lot of different different music. You know? Sounds like it. Lots of different styles, especially with the country throwing it into. Well, yeah, and there was also Nelly the Elephant. I remember that, but we're not going to that one. <laughs> I can't so, remember who sang that. So your teenage years, what kind of records were you buying yourself that maybe different, or maybe your choice in opening up a whole kind of new genre? Well, for well ACDC was the, the there was there used to be a show on on a Saturday morning. Oh God, can I remember the name of it? And it was like one of these video programs, and it was all rock music. So there would be bands like Poison and and um, um, Motley Crue. Um, they were they were all a bit glam for us, you know. We we were more into ACDC, and you know there was a bit of Iron Maiden in there, but I, I wasn't quite so keen on 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 Iron Maiden. I was I was I was more in a sort of ACDC, probably because the drum beats were simpler on ACDC, <laughs> and I was getting into the drums. You know, you could sit and play them pretty pretty dumbly, pretty pretty quickly, but. Um, I don't know something about that music that that just sort of sort of gripped me. But I went through a dodgy phase as well, definitely. You know, I'm kind of scared to talk about that because it, it. It, nah, I, I don't know if I All can. Right. It 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 was, you know. Well, God, should I say this? Um, I met Luke Goss in Cape Town last year. You know, he's the actor in Hellboy now. And um, about 1990, 
Um, my auntie bought me um, the first Bros record on cassette for Christmas. It's a stocking filler. And I actually really liked it. You know, I was 16. I was like, yeah. And um, and I was telling him that I, I learned to play drums. I learned to play drums to a lot of Bros tunes. <laughs> so it's a kind of a, a mad mix. You know, you get ACDC and Bros. I suppose it just... Um, they had some good songs in terms of straight songs, so probably I was just um, drawn to the songs, I suppose. Mm -hmm. You know, like, they had a song called I Owe You Nothing, and um, I suppose that was about as rebellious as I got, you know, like, I owe you nothing, nothing at all. Maybe I was, you know, thinking about, you know, my mum was telling me to do something, you know, I was like, you know, I'm going to rebel, you know, put Grosh lids on my shoes. That's That was the big thing. <laughs> you used to get these Grosh, Grosh beer bottles and put them on your black shoes. And that was you. You were, you were, you were tooled up. You were a, but that lasted about eight months, and I, and I, I quickly grew out of that and got, got, got. Because all my mates were putting up in bands at school, so yeah, you had to be cooler than that. Yeah, so I quickly tried to get cooler than that. I don't think it's ever really left me, but uh, <laughs> anyway. You, yeah. you said you played the drums. We know that you played the drums. When did you start picking up sticks and start going into it? Well, I, I started off on keyboard in our house because I've got three brothers and. Um, my my mum was always keen for us to 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 do something musical because we were never particularly academic, um, but she was always keen for us to have a a, a sort of hobby or a, or a a release. And I think in her head she had this grand scheme of us being like the Jackson Five or something, the four of us. But um, you know, it never it never quite formed. Although I, I, I did play a couple of gigs with my big brother. We put together this little band and, and did some shows, and um, I started off on the keyboards. And I used to go to the Yamaha music school with my little brother for an hour once a week. And he, he's about seven years younger than me, so there was, there was quite a big age gap. And it was kind of fun, but I, I found it a bit too, it was too structured for me, you know, I was at that age where I was like, Ugh, you know, not really that exciting. And my mum had bought a second-hand drum kit off my uncle with the envisage of my, my, my younger brother, who's a year younger than me, um, being a drummer. Because he, he, um, he was more of the feisty, brother and I think she thought we get him on the drums that will yeah, get, get, get all his energy out of him and you know and, and sort of contain him a little bit so he did drum kit and he, he was doing that at school there were some lessons that he did um, but at the same time I was getting in a band with my mates and the keyboards just weren't cool so I'd sort of sneak home at lunch times when mum was at work and then um, get behind the drum kit and try and learn the things that he was learning and I sort of just started to, to get I sort of took it quite naturally and got, and got better at it quicker and um, so I took it for there got in bands and, and, and off it sort of went you know so, so from there you what point did you start working with Speedway how did that come about well I mean it was quite, quite a long time between me sort of starting to play and that happened I, I was probably I was in a few bands um, sort of long before that happened as a drummer as a drummer yeah 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 because um, I, I went to, I went to college for four years you know and you know, studied drums properly and did a lot of recording and stuff like that and tried to learn a bit about the theory of music and stuff like that but never quite grasped that. I, I, I was in a few bands and played a lot of gigs around Glasgow and I played King Tut's maybe 20 times before mm -hmm. I, I was in Speedway um, with different bands. And one of the bands I was in was this older guy, you know, he, he might have been, you know, I must have been 17 and he might have been 35, 36. And he'd had a record deal in the late seventies in this post-punk band called James King and the Lone Wolves. So if you go and type that in somewhere, they they had a couple of sort of 
and Indy Hits back then, and he was doing, he was putting his band back together and doing these little tours, but but they never had a drummer, and um, and he was he was a mature student at the college I was at, and he's like, you want to come play drums? So I went and did that. That that went from me being in a sort of band with my mates playing the school concert hall to playing at the music festival at Glasgow Green pretty quickly. So it was quite a big jump for me, and you know, and, and kind of nerve wracking, but great, you know, sort of going. For, from sort of amateur to semi-professional kind of gigs, you know, it was it was quite a big jump. And then the Speedway thing happened after I came out of college. That was um, a friend of mine was working with a singer. She had a band, um, and he wanted to try some development things. And I met Jill the singer, and um, we started writing some songs together because I had a, a bit of recording set up, and we did that. It was never really a band, though. That unfortunately, we never seemed to quite get our act together you know although we brought a record out and had you know a bit of stuff it just it, it, um, it never really happened the way that I'd envisaged it in my dreams you know of being in a band and getting a record deal and touring mm. the country it was it was um, it was a bit different although we did do a lot of, a lot of, lot of good, you know cool, cool things why was that what, what was the relationship like was it distant between everybody in terms of they're just uh, making music and being that band that you well because it wasn't really a band you know it was essentially a singer and a, a songwriter stroke producer trying to create something and then because I played drums and she played guitars you know <laughs> um, it you know we were bringing other musicians in so and, and it felt like there wasn't a unity of purpose you know which I think is what makes a band work um, and business things become more important than the unity of why the band exists, if that makes sense, you know, because you're talking more about who's getting paid what and who's paying for it and, you know, all this kind of stuff before you're thinking about making a great tune, which is ultimately, I think, what the downfall of the, the whole setup was, mm. that there wasn't a drive to just get, make great music and make a statement about who we were. Um, and maybe that was part of the problem. Maybe we didn't really know who we were. We were just um, wanted to be in a band, you know. So, yeah. how did the relationship work with coming up with songs? How did that work? Just spending days writing. I mean, we did a lot of lot of trips with that, working with a lot of writer stroke producers, um, like Stargate. We went to Norway and spent a bit of time out there with them. So, so it would be going going with ideas, but I still maintain the be the best stuff that we did, which is pretty mirrored in my own career as a writer, comes from. Um, things that are going on in the people's lives that are involved in the writing. Um, when when there was when there was a lot of generic writing, I never really felt a connection with any of the songs, or that they had real substance or weight behind them. Um, I got a lot of experience from it, though, you know, and I got a lot of you know a lot of, a lot of really really good times and met a lot of really really great people. And um, I think sort of just looking back that I, I probably never put enough into those things because I think when you're sort of young and then you go off on these trips and you're working with these guys that have written a lot of hit songs you think oh well I'm going to go in and I'll write a little idea and then they'll turn it into this amazing thing you know but essentially the, the essence of the song has got to come from somewhere that you know you've really got a bit of meaning or, or, or depth in it or you really believe in it you know what did, what did you take away from your time in Speedway Um, what did I take away from it Um. Bitterness, hurt, no, no. <laughs> um, well, I, you know, 
I've, I've sort of come a philosophy in life that you learn more from when things don't work than what you do when things do work. And I certainly found out that the way I didn't want to write music or make music was was in that disjoint. We, we, not, not that it was disjointed all the time, but it just felt disjointed and it felt that we were being led rather than leading. And um, I think now when I, when I work with artists or singers or, or bands that I try to instill on them that it's about, it's really about them. You know, I, I'm, I'm here to help them get to where they need to get to. You know, it can't be about me. It's got to be about them. Um, because, you know, when they're standing up there singing it or whatever, it's got to be absolutely from from their core. And I think we had a bit of that with Speedway. I don't think we necessarily had enough of it. You know, and I think I try to do a bit more of that now. Mm. And, and practically, how did it roll out in terms of writing songs? You you said that you jammed together or you did something for a few we, days. Well, we had a little studio in, in Glasgow, um, pretty similar to this, you know, a little writing room with a drum kits here and pianos and stuff like that. And it, it would be it would be more a case of um, us sort of trying to come up with pastiches or concepts or ideas um, and 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 just developing those things, you know. So it's, um, you know, we'd, maybe we'd say, like, well, let's, let's listen to a load of Pretenders records and see, you know, if we can find something in, in that that we want to, we want to sort of emulate or, you know, stylistically you know, develop something that's like that, you know. But um, yeah, it's kind of hard. I, I don't think there's any really, really a lot of hard, fast rules, you know. But the the, the best things in, in that scenario always came when somebody came in with a little bit of something, you know, a little bit of a verse or a little bit of a chorus, and then it, it sparked an idea in someone else, and then it would snowball, you know, and and, and, and go, you know. Whereas I think sometimes if you're just sitting developing an idea where you don't really know where you're going you can just get lost you know and then at the end of the day go yeah that's alright it's not really saying anything though is it and I think that's the, the important point now is um, is definitely to say something yeah. you know make sure there's something make sure there's a point to the story <laughs> the story of the song yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah you know even if it's as much in the the, the, the style of the song gives it um gives it a statement as well you know like that can be and so from speedway what was next you, obviously you... well that, that that was that was coming to an end and um because well basically it, it had been a commercial disaster really and um m my manager at the time had had seen this young kid singing um at a concert in glasgow and said do you want to meet him he's only 15 um i'll bring him down to the little studio so he, so he came down with his mum and dad and he, he'd never really written a song before. I think he'd written one song as part of his music um, exam at school or composition or something. And he played as it and he sang. And he was, you know, young, naive, um, friendly young chap called Paolo. All we did was um, he, he'd come in on a Saturday and Sunday when he wasn't at school until he finished school that year. And, and we'd just try and listen to some songs as references and try and help him develop right, right a tune from it um, and that was really how that started mm. and we spent quite a lot of time on it um, because he was so young you know we started trying to find you know trying to help him find where he's where he's going to go so 
um, I'd show him how to play an E major on the guitar and then he'd come back the next week, oh I've got these four chords and this idea and then you know there was Rewind. Okay. Although that song's mostly in C but there is an E major in it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and um, you know and, and, and Rewind and Autumn were two songs that were written really early on at that, at that point. Um, and again they came from either one I was having a pretty solid idea mm-hmm. um, you know whereas all the other stuff seemed to be sort of development not worthless you know it was it was part of the process of finding out you know because Justin Timberlake was pretty big at the time and I think there was a lot of talk about you know he could be he could be the new Justin Timberlake so you try a lot of stuff on that area and you know sort of naturally he falls away from it you know and finds you know his, his sort of area of sound and style mm-hmm. you know it already sounds like your relationship with Paolo Nantini is very different to the one that you had with Speedway and the way that you were working is that is I, I think purposefully I sort of had in my head that I didn't want it to be what, 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 what that was you know but I, I, at that time you know I, I was I was pretty you know w- w- once you've had a record deal and then you don't have a record deal it's, it's a dark sort of period you know if you've sort of this is something you've sort of had in your life for a long time and what are you going to do and what are you going to do and um for me, this was a one opportunity as well to try something, you know, and there was nothing else really. So I was pretty, pretty determined to try things that hadn't even been tried. But the other thing, and I think the difference is, working with Paula was fifteen, you know, I was twenty-seven, maybe older than that, actually twenty-eight. In fact, I might have been even older than that. I might have been thirty, but you know, I, I'd I'd had this bit of experience, and obviously he hadn't. Um, this life experience whereas with I was with Jill we were both going through this experience at the same time so it was it was quite reactionary if that makes sense so I think from that point of view maybe I had just a bit a bit of a a wider view of it if that makes any sense I don't really know but I definitely wanted to try and just get out of him what, what, what try and help him get out what was in there you know and I think you know luckily we did that you know so, so say if he was to come in here now maybe you know back back in the day when you uh-huh. was 15 what did you do did you did you pick up the guitar together did you start strumming some chords how did how did it all unfold much like that yeah. one day the next day you know he, he came in we sometimes you know near on a complete like you know an idea I was like yeah let's change this bit move that bit there and do that bosh you know we're, we're, we're away and sometimes I'd I'd have a you know, because I don't sing great, but, you know, in my head I could hear what it sounds like. Well, you hear a melody line or something. Well, yeah, 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 I mean, I could, I could, I could you know, had to sing at those parties, we could sing a bit, you know, but I'm not, you know, you know, Paolo's a singer, a singer yeah. you know, he's, he's got a talent, you know. Sure. Um, I suppose that would be a bit like him saying, you know, I'm going to drum at this gig back at the start when he can play a simple beat, you know, it's, sure. it's sort of that, that sort of mm. parallel. So I, I sort of, always, I've always been a bit, I would I would sing in strange voices, you know, to people. Put a voice on. I would put a voice on, like um, last request, the chorus we were writing, we were writing at Matty's, and um, you know, there was a lot of ideas going about, and I had this idea. This is how Prince sounds in my head, you know, and it and it was um, um no, this is what Prince sounds in my head. So if it, if it was a. Uh, and the course went, and that's 
how it came out and everybody wet himself. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. Yeah. So you can kind of hear Prince I, I, singing that in a way, can't you? Yeah. I now you say that I'm listening. I'm listening to that song in my head with Paolo Nantini singing it, and it's like I can hear there's an exaggeration on the words each yeah. of them. Like, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Perhaps, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that was a very different song as well. The way that was written, because it was three of us in it, and it was a four or five days of trying different ideas and it was a real fermentation and development process and eventually we arrived at a song that everybody was like yeah yeah I really like that whereas back in that day you know um, there might be I might have you know I play a Paolo and then we tried to write a lyric for it but it was just feeling a bit too generic and he said I've got an idea about something I want to write about my grand grandfather. So he'd take it away, then come back. I'd put it on, he'd sing it, and I'd be sitting there in tears <laughs> after he'd sang this lyric for the first time, you know, just like, you know, when he was six, 15, 16. So the process was you would give him some ideas and well, he'd basically take it away. Well, that, that was that was that one. I'm saying they were all different. Oh, I you know? So, so, you know, he'd come in with, you know, you can have pieces, you know, and I'd come in with more or less... Da 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 Autumn leaves down the sun just old How I do da 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 Give him that and he really liked it You know so If you watch that Queen documentary actually that's quite interesting because in the band dynamic They're all sort of writing these different little tunes in their different styles and then bringing them in And it is, you can sort of understand the eclecticness of Queen's music from you know, like somebody to love, which is this big operatic sort of gospel type song, to another one bites the ducks dust, which is almost like a disco beat song. And so that's John Deacon getting the bass and playing a bass riff and saying, dampen all the drums down and play this beat. So there's that crazy dynamic and I sort of think to an extent there was a little bit of that dynamic in the early days, you know, with, with sort of coming in with ideas. Mm. You know, and maybe if there had been a band then there'd have been four of us doing that. And I suppose that's what the job is of writers these days, is with artists is to help bring another dynamic into what they're doing, you know, that helps take them down an avenue that they perhaps haven't, haven't gone down before, you know? What would you say you've you've learnt most with Pamela? Learnt most? Yeah. What, what have you, like, taken away, I guess? It's, I mean, I had a lot of fun on that, you know. Sounds you know, like I it, spent yeah. seven years on the road in that band and, you know... Seen Paolo go from a a fifteen year old boy, you know, yeah, you know, yeah, a man, and I, I was, you know, immensely proud. I think I'd left the band sort of just as they started making, um, geez, what's the saying? Sunny Side Up. Just as they started making Sunny Side Up, I left the band, and um, I know it took a while to make that record, and about a year and a half later, I mean, I saw him in between events, but you know, how's it going? But um, they played on Jules Holland, and that was the first time I'd really. You know, um, there's pencil full of lead. Like I played on the first demo that, and um, it was kind of the idea was kind of there from him, you know. But it, the, all the lyrics weren't there, you know. But there was two bar heater and money for the meter and stuff like that. And then he played it on Jules Holland show, and I sent him a text. Went that was awesome, really proud. He did it, you know. And um, I suppose you know on that side, I was just really proud that he he sort of, you know 
made that that journey and and and, and got there. Um, but personally, yeah, I, I just had a great experience, and you know, traveling the world was a dream, really. You know, we didn't always get the time to enjoy it. You don't, and a lot of people real don't realize that. You know, when you go to tour America, you're probably working 17, 18 hours a day. And that sounds like an exaggeration, but trust me, it's not. You'll always find time to go for a beer, but when you're on that train, you know, it's it's difficult not to, you know, because you're, you're doing radio or television at five in the morning, and then you've got a gig that night, you know, at 10.30, and then after it, you've got people want to come and, you know, well, shake the artist's hands and stuff like that, and, and you're sort of all there, so it's, it, is, it is a bit crazy. But but great great fun, you know. I kind of wish I'd written more of a diary when I did these things, you know, so you could look back and go, oh yeah yeah yeah. But that's probably a bit of a girly thing. No offence to any of the girls, but uh, it's not really my style. <laughs> well, it might be something you should start doing. Well, maybe I should. Yeah yeah. I mean, I think at one point I started doing a MyFace page just for myself, where I started writing down what we were up to. But I think I probably lasted a week, and then was too busy. Yeah. You know you know, but. Um, yeah, great. And um, I think sort of for me personally, actually learning to cope with people under pressure was a great, it was a great learning experience for that, you know, because everybody that's in, involved in this has got different things going on in their personal life and are seeing what's going on a different way. You know, there's other things that are important to them in other ways. And it's, um, you know, I was probably not the best at being sympathetic to people's personal needs. You know, in in the early days of that, just trying to get the job done and take the opportunities, um, and I think I've certainly become more aware that you know, sometimes people you need to give them a break. You know, people have bad days and they they, they need a bit of space. Mm. They don't need, oh come on, you know, let's go, let's get on with it. You know, mm. sometimes you, you do need to give people a bit of space. Mm. Say you're writing a song from scratch yourself. Mm -hmm. How would you prefer to go to? How would you prefer to do that? I would prefer for it just to pop into my head and me sit down in front of the piano and it comes straight out, but that very rarely happens. <laughs> um, I don't. Uh, these days, I just try to have fun. You know, I'm I'm listening to a lot. Uh, try to listen to a lot of different music these days. From, you know, I've just bought the Rite of Spring, um, which is you know classical music, but it's just to take my head to different places. And I think sometimes melodies sublimely bury themselves in the bank of your brains and then, you know, I'll be listening to the Luminelles record four times on repeat because I love lyrically the rawness of the stories that they talk about um, and the conversational element in that. But in terms of my favourite way to write a song is to pick up the guitar and go, oh wow, where did that come from? That's a chorus. Oh yeah, it's about that. You know, that's the best way. I can't. I kind of hate getting bogged down in making a production and then trying to write a track to it. That's probably my least favourite. But sometimes, as I say that, sometimes I'll be messing about on a computer and I've got a bit of software and I've found this crazy sound and I'm like, oh wow, if I put a beat to that, it's going to sound amazing. You know, but often you do that and then you never quite get the lyric that, that takes it to the right place. Sometimes someone else comes in and goes, yeah, that idea, yeah, I really love that. Let's write to that, so. Do you prefer working with others? Yeah, that's it. I mean, that's... that. I, writing songs on my own I do a bit of it at home but it's more for cathartic measures than um, you know they're, they're probably never going to see the light of day um, I just like the interaction and 
how one idea can be twisted or taken or developed or more descriptive or um, enhanced or curveballed by someone else that you just go wow yeah exactly that. you didn't think of that yeah yeah I, I was just I was looking at the trees you know and I just couldn't see the trees you know they were there all the time you know it's like, it is that kind of thing yeah, yeah. it's interesting isn't it how songwriting can do that to you and, and you, you, you're you set on a kind of a path yeah. really and then somebody comes in with an idea and it's it can just be one word bosh you're off and yeah. you're thinking how the heck did you come up with that from, from huh? this brilliant that's yeah. amazing isn't yeah. it yeah brilliant so what is what has been your favourite song to ever work on that you've in, you've got a fond memory of? Well, autumn, autumn is still my favourite just because of how that you know had this piece of music with a lyric, autumn leaves, da 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 da, da. and um, and then Paul writes this lyric to it that you know blows my head away really, um, and is relevant to me as much as as it is to him you know so that that's definitely um i think it's my uh, it's the song i feel most proud of you know if it was like a child it'll be the one that, that graduated with first class honors and mm-hmm. and uh, went off to university to study biomechanics and save the planet you know <laughs> you know come up with a new fuel system that eats all the carbon uh, dioxide and creates more oxygen and solves uh, global warming yeah what's it, what's so special about it do you think is there one I, don't, I think it's just the emotional connection I've just always been really emotional about music and, and and that's the reason why I make music is because I'm a big sap and I think it's it, it's just one of those sentiments that you know I feel myself welling up talking about it but it's just one of those sentiments that you know that really touches me yeah. and what is what is important to you when you hear a song? What makes a great song? Emotional for you? connection. Yeah. Um, definitely. It's always been. Mm-hmm. That's that's how I, I got involved in music, you know, it was it was through something that happened in in, in, in my life earlier on that sort of inspired me and, and gave me the the sounds a bit <laughs> Yes, I was inspired to get involved in music because um but it was, it, my, my brothers and his friends were in a band and tragically one of his friends got killed in a car crash and he left his Beatles complete book in our house and it became my sort of, you know, I was right at that age where it really affected us and I sort of um, always, you know, that, that book was was, 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 a, was, a, was a Bible for me and sort of and helped us get through and music helped us get through, you know, that as, mm. as friends and he's, you know, and it's, as a brother and stuff like that, you know, so it's always been that, and I suppose that's why I sort of kept going, you know, with, with music, just to sort of try and, you know, it, I don't know, it's it's hard, it's hard, yeah, it's hard yeah. to de- hard to define. But it's amazing how music can do that for you. Oh yeah, exactly. I it just helped it helped me through that. You know, I was fif- fifteen, and you know, you know, not that I was as affected as bad as other people, but for some reason that was the thing. You know, with that book being there, that sort of g- gave me sort of direction and, and a bit of hope, you know. How do you think artists can achieve that emotional connection in their songs? I don't know. <laughs> Is it just being honest with lyrics? Is I think so. I, I, you know, if I, if I knew the answer to that, then I'd be writing a hit every single day of the week. Um, it's a cathartic process in many ways, and it's an honesty process, and, you know... We we talk about the Arts Claire song too close, and it, it really was a conversation about what was going on 
in his life. And to be honest with you, the first day that I met Alex, we pretty quickly got on to this topic of conversation. And um, it's pretty... I don't, don't mean impressive, but it is impressive for someone to open up so quickly when you're in this room because it does become quickly like a little bit of a psych psychology session. You know, sometimes it's just a big beat and a guitar and, you know, you know, kind of thing, you know, but with that, it was, it was a bit of a conversation about, you know, timing and life and, and stuff and, you know, it's yeah. A, it's really interesting because you're a songwriter and that you're kind of counselling... <laughs> Well, maybe I'm getting as much counselling, though, you know, for things that I might have done in the past or whatever, you know, it's like, you know, you're just sort of trying to draw on your experiences in life and, and yeah, speak about them in a way that doesn't offend anyone. And I, and I, and I think with that one with Alex, what, what I loved about it is, though it's a negative love song, it's an incredibly positive thing for a guy to say, you know, you know, because guys are usually shit. At that kind of thing, if I can say shit, sorry, but they are, you know, they they, they 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 will, you know, I've done it, you know, and this was what our conversation was about. It's like, you know, you 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 do love someone, but it's not that kind of love where you you, you you sort of, you know, are lovers or should be lovers, but we we tend to not approach the subject in fear of either hurting them or that we're just not man, man enough to man up to it, you know, and um, yeah, it's just it's just honesty, but. It's, it's still got a positive thing to it, you know, I'm really sorry, I'm just too close. It's it's a compliment in many ways, isn't it? Weirdly. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, Although if someone said it to me, I'd be like, you know. <laughs> yeah, all right, whatever. Move on. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah. It's just amazing because there's some songs that have that emotional connection, but even straight away from like the first chords going yeah. down, Something drops at that moment, and you're and you're like, whoa! It's like something coming down and plopping into a pond, and just see the ripples. I don't know. You, you, yeah, yeah. It's something even straight from the first beat of the drum. Ah, it's like the DNA of the song, though. It's just comes all through it's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I can, I can't explain it. I don't yeah. think anybody can. Yeah. It's hard to. It's people, like, people try to, unfortunately, and I think that's um, when we end up with a lot of s songs that are probably less quality. Or not, not, I'm not saying that that's, you know. If the emotional co content is there, then you know I've been guilty of writing ones that just don't have it, but they try to pull something in that has got it, and else ah, you try to force it, and it just it doesn't quite doesn't quite sit, you know. So obviously, the, the emotional thing sounds like a very important thing to you. Yeah. Um, in terms of making up a song, is it the melody as well that hits you, or the beat, or the rhythm? Honestly, honest, the honest lyrics sounds important as well. But yeah, aside yeah. From that, well, I think it's a combination, but. I, um, it's, it's again. It's hard to quantify. I mean, I think that the, the, the melody has got to be pretty, pretty captivating. And um, I listen to a lot of melodies these days and try to figure out are they descending? How repetitive are they? Are they, um, you know, are they monotonic? You know, I mean, too close is pretty monotonic. The chorus is there. But it's all where the impact is in that song is the triplet and the chorus. It's actually triplets on the. And the the melody, even though it doesn't sound like it, but it's based on based on a triplet rhythm. Um, and when I was back at college, you know, there was a lot of emphasis that triplet rhythms are very connectable. Not that we purposely wrote a triplet rhythm, but they're very connectable with the human psyche because apparently we we beat in triplets. I don't know. Some hippie told me that piece. <laughs> but yeah, 
Um, I don't know. It's really, really hard to believe. I think you just got to make it as. You know, I was writing a song yesterday with some guys, and we we listened to a lot, sixties and seventies hits, and com- comparing it to some songs that they'd already written. And actually, the simplicity and the melody was what stood out. You know, often the three notes, just the way they move. And I was watching a program about Pink Floyd the other day. You know, shine on you, crazy diamond, about Sid. Um, those four notes, that um. He plays on the guitar, you know, they just they catch you straight away. I think if we knew the answer to that question, it would be really boring because everybody would be writing these songs and we would become emotionally, <laughs> we'd be so strong because it, there'd be everything would be emotional that's coming at us that we would become hardened to them, you know. So I think it's um, it's probably a good thing that we don't really know why we've just got to dig deep and find it, mm-hmm. yeah. I feel like we're going to end up leaving you with your brain still blurring. And I'm probably going to go and cry. Yeah. <laughs> no, but thank you so much for no, no worries, spending thanks. your time with us. It's no. been really, really informative. I don't think we've actually spoken to somebody so much about the emotional side of songwriting. Yeah. And, and the whole idea of counselling somebody who's an artist or another yeah. songwriter. It's, well, I think, it's it, like thing. I said, I think it's as much counselling for me as it is for them, you know, once, mm. once we sort of get talking. Yeah. It's probably going to put a lot of people off. They're going to go, no, I'm not going to work with him. He's just going to want to ask me if I was beaten by my father or something. <laughs> but, you know, who knows? Sure. Yeah. Brilliant. Thank you so much. Thanks so much. Really great. Thanks That's probably one of my favourite interviews that I've done on this podcast. I was surprised at how quickly he, he just like got into the interview and he just kind of like opened up straight away and he just got into the questions and he was just very honest which uh, I don't know some people just seem to take a little bit longer to do whereas he just dived right in very cool guy